when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even then, the night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Search me, God, and know my heart, and lead me in the way everlasting. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This has been a time where we've all suffered from separation. This pandemic has kept us at a distance from others. It has isolated us in our homes and made it difficult for us to connect with other people. But this beautiful psalm reminds us that none of us have been on our own. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Wherever we go, God is there. This was a a wonderful truth that Jonah discovered. As we saw last week, Jonah was an experienced prophet of the Lord. He'd been used by God to speak God's word into his nation at a really crucial time and give them a message of hope and deliverance. But then God commanded Jonah to go to the Syrian capital of Nineveh with a message of God's coming judgment. But this time, Jonah didn't obey. He didn't want his enemies to be warned because he didn't want them to be saved. And so instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah jumped on a ship that was going to Tarshish which was just about as far from Nineveh as he could get. Jonah was trying to run away from the Lord. 
But that was a race that Jonah was not going to win. So this morning we're going to read from Jonah chapter 1, from verse 4 down to verse 9. Um, The Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own gods, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can we sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who was responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So last week, we, we read that Jonah ran away from the Lord. It was almost as if he thought that if he could get as far away from the land of Israel as possible, then he could get away from the presence of the Lord. That if he got as far away uh, to, uh, from Israel like Tarshish was, then he could get away from the control and the influence of God. But of course he got that wrong. Because wherever Jonah went, he could not get away from the presence of God. And so we read this morning, verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm rose up that the ship threatened to break up. This was a really dangerous storm. The ship was in danger of sinking. The lives of Jonah and all of the rest on board were hanging by a thread. And this was all the consequence of Jonah's disobedience. And it's a warning to all of us of the danger that we get ourselves in when we rebel against God. Now, of course, we don't always suffer such immediate consequences of our rebellion. But that doesn't mean that there aren't any consequences. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So when we limit our love for others or limit our love for God, there will always be serious consequences, now or later. So that's why the world is in such a mess with things like hatred and bigotry and racism and wars and poverty. And that's why our lives are sometimes filled with anger and selfishness and conflict and separation. And that's why if we completely push God out of his rightful place in our lives and we refuse to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then one day Jesus will say to us, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. But we need to be clear about all of this. We need to be careful how we read this. 
Because every storm in our lives does not mean that God is angry or displeased with us. There's an amazingly similar uh, incident in the life of, of, of Jesus that we can read in the Gospels. Jesus and his disciples were on a boat in the the Sea of Galilee when a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. This is in Mark chapter 4. This storm on the Sea of Galilee threatened to sink their boat. But this time, Jesus and his disciples were not running from God. Instead, they were right in the centre of God's will for their lives. So what this means is that our circumstances, we cannot use those circumstances to judge whether we are pleasing the Lord or not. Furious storms and choppy seas don't always mean that we're going in the wrong direction. And blue skies and calm seas don't always mean that we're doing the things right. We cannot use our circumstances to judge whether we're doing the right thing or not. But in this case, in Jonah's case, God was sending this storm in response to Jonah's rebellion. Again, we need to be careful how we understand this. This was not because God hated Jonah. Instead, this was an expression of love. God here was not trying to kill Jonah. If he wanted to kill Jonah, he could have done it just like that. Instead, God was doing this because he didn't want to lose Jonah. He loved Jonah too much to allow him just to head off to Spain and to live there, sitting on a beach somewhere disconnected from him. He didn't want Jonah to miss out on the privilege of knowing him and serving him. And so God was reaching out to Jonah in the middle of this storm. And God does the same in our lives. The book of Hebrews quotes from Proverbs chapter 3, when it says this, Do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. The Lord disciplines those he loves. God loves us so much that he wants to speak into our lives so that we can grow in our relationship with him and our dependence on him. And he is willing to use all kinds of circumstances and storms to grab our attention, whether those storms are caused by our rebellion or whether they're not. This is what C.S. Lewis He said, he said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. 
It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. The storms of our lives are the times when God shouts into our lives. He speaks loudly for us so that we can hear. That might be a a word of rebuke, a call to repentance. Or it may be a, a challenge to our priorities, an encouragement to reorder our goals in life. Or it might be an encouragement to, to go deeper with God, or to hold on to His promises, to trust in His goodness, to depend on His strength, to focus on our eternal hope. But whatever God is saying, God will not waste the storms of our lives. They are the times that God wants to help us to grow. So James, in his letter, in James chapter 1, verse 2, he said this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Storms are the times when God speaks loudly so that we can grow. So folks, we've all been in a storm recently, haven't we? Some of us have been suffering from physical or or mental health. Others have been suffering financially or in the relationships. Others have suffered from disappointments or bereavements. And we've all been impacted by this pandemic and the isolation and the disruption it's caused in all of our lives. So what has God been saying to you through all of this? If God speaks loudly through the storms of our lives, what has God been saying to you in this storm? What does God want you to learn through it all? Have you been listening to what God has been saying? So God was speaking to Jonah through this violent storm. But Jonah wasn't taking any notice. Look at verse 5. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, sometimes people talk about being led by the Lord because they're at peace with a decision. They say, oh, well, it must be what God wants because I've got a peace about it. The idea is, if you can sleep soundly about a choice that you've made, well, it must be in keeping with what God wants for your life. Now, Jesus, he was like that in the middle of the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was in this stern, it says, in the middle of this storm, sleeping on a cushion. That was because Jesus was sure that this storm was not going to be fatal. Because he knew that the cross was God's purpose for his life. And he knew that nothing and no one could ever stop that from being fulfilled. But Jonah shows 
how unreliable our hearts are. Because he was fast asleep. He was at peace. He was blissfully ignorant of what was going on. He had no idea of the seriousness of his situation and the danger that he and his fellow passengers were in. Jonah shows us again how the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, as Jeremiah 17 and 9 says. Or as someone else said, feelings are real, but they're not reliable. We cannot just trust our heart to know whether we are in the right way, right path or not. So Jonah, the prophet of the Lord, was not listening to God as he spoke through the storm. But the amazing thing is, the sailors were. Look at verse 5 again. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now Tarshish was a Phoenician colony and so these sailors may have been Phoenicians, people who were really well known for their skills on the sea. But certainly they were Gentiles, they were not Israelites. They were Gentiles, so they did not know God. And so when they found themselves in the middle of this storm, they did what they could to save the ship according to what they knew. So they ditched the cargo to keep the ship above water, and they passionately called out to their false gods. And that should have been an incredibly impactful rebuke to Jonah. Here were these sailors bowing down to their worthless idols, passionately calling out to their man-made gods of wood and stone which cannot see or hear or eat or smell, as Deuteronomy 4.28 says. Desperately pleading to their non-existent gods for salvation. There was Jonah, a member of God's community, a prophet of the one true and living God, running away, turning his back, covering his ears, and completely oblivious to the danger that he was in. But this wasn't just a rebuke to Jonah. This was also a rebuke to the nation of Israel as a whole. Because this is exactly what they were doing in their lives too. They had turned their back on the Lord, the one who had rescued them and redeemed them from slavery in Egypt. They were turning after false gods, following the example of the king. Remember King Jeroboam II, who did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as we looked at last week. And as a result, there was a storm of danger all around them. The nations around them were were going to attack and take them all off to exile. 
and yet they refuse to repent. They refuse to call out to the Lord. They were spiritually asleep, ignorant of the danger that they were in. This passage is a rebuke to the nation of Israel. But what about us? wonder how do we respond when we see the passion of people from other religions or other world views? Do we arrogantly look down on them in judgment? Do we ridicule them for their commitment to their wrong beliefs and wrong ideas and wrong false gods? Or do we hear in their example, a challenge to us from God. If those people are so passionate, committed, calling out to their their false gods, if they're willing to give up so much of, of who they are and what they have for something that is ultimately worthless, why are we so half-hearted? In our worship of the one true and living God. Surely we who have experienced the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Should be the most passionate, the most committed, the most single minded people on this planet. Surely our response to the reality of the cross of Jesus should be in the words of this this uh, this beautiful song, where the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Eventually, the captain realised that Jonah was sleeping through all of this. And so he went to Jonah and he said this. How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. That's verse 6. Now isn't that amazing? Here was the proud prophet. The one who thought that God should abandon all of the other nations of the world apart from Israel. But he was being told to pray to the true God by this pagan sailor. Do you think God has a a sense of humour? But maybe this isn't really that funny. Because... Our world is in the middle of a storm. Not just the storm of this pandemic, but a storm of poverty and slavery and war and terrorism and racism and abuse and murder and illness and death. And ultimately, this world is heading towards facing the full weight of God's wrath against sin. And what are we, the church, doing about it? Do we care? 
Or are we like Jonah, sleeping through all of this, undisturbed and unmoved? Can you maybe hear the people of this world calling out to us this morning? How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us. And we will not perish. To hear God speaking to us through this world. This world is in a mess. And lost and going to a lost eternity. Are we listening? Are we going to pray? And call out to our God on behalf of this world. So God spoke to Jonah through the storm and through the sailors. But Jonah still wasn't listening. He did wake up, but he didn't call out to the Lord in prayer. And so the sailors, in their superstition, they decided that this storm must be the, the anger of one of the gods against someone on board. And so they decided to find out who it was. So they said to each other, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Verse 7. And so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And suddenly the focus of everybody on board was on Jonah. And they interrogated him to find out who he was, where he was from and what what had he done. To cause this disaster. And Jonah was backed into a corner. With everybody on board staring at him. Jonah was forced to share his faith. In verse 9 he says, I worship, the, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. Who made the sea and the land. This rebellious prophet, this guy who didn't want to preach to God's enemies, was forced to admit his allegiance to Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God of heaven, the creator of everything. And he was forced to confess his sin before these pagans that he despised so much. Now, of course, some people would call that just coincidence. They would say it just happened by chance that the the lot fell on Jonah. But we know that it was God that was at work. God was speaking even, even through the seemingly random events of casting lots. And we know that this is what God does. Proverbs 16 and 33 says this, The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Now, that is not an encouragement for us to start to cast lots to make decisions, okay? We are not called to follow the example of these guys on board to cast lots to to find out what's happening or to find out what God wants for us in our lives. But it does show how God is sovereign over Everything that happens in our lives. Throughout the Bible, 
We can see that God is in control, that he is overruling, that he is working behind the scenes, often in unseen ways. Making sure that his purposes are achieved and his plans are fulfilled. He even works through the actions of other people. Again, Proverbs 16 and 9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Now this doesn't contradict our free will to make choices or our responsibility to make good choices. But God is sovereign even over people's actions and will use their good and their evil actions to accomplish his plans and his purposes. And we'll see that illustrated dramatically the next time we look at Jonah. So Jonah, he was trying to run away from the Lord, but God was still in control of his life. And God was still working in his life for his good, calling out to him, urging him to repent. And no matter what happens in our lives, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Even when we cannot see it or understand it, even when we don't like it, God is still working for our good. Even in the circumstances and the so-called coincidences of our lives. So here was Jonah. He could not run away from the Lord. Despite his rebellion and his disobedience, God was right there with Jonah, speaking into his life. Speaking through the stormy sea. Speaking through the scared sailors. Speaking through the supernatural coincidences. But shockingly, Jonah was still not ready to turn to the Lord in repentance. He didn't immediately bow the knee before God and ask for his forgiveness. Instead, as we'll see next time, he continued to try to run from God. But God, in his unlimited mercy and grace, didn't give in. He didn't turn away from Jonah. He didn't wash his hands of this rebellious prophet. Instead, he continued to work through Jonah and went to extraordinary lengths to bring him back to himself. But Jonah could have been spared all of this. Had he turned to the Lord at any moment, God could have come in and calmed that sea and rescued his prophet. Because this is what Jesus did in the middle of that storm on the Sea of Galilee. When his disciples woke him up, he got up, Jesus got up, and he said to the wind and the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. (coughs) And Jesus, in his love and grace, can do the same in our lives. No matter where we go or what we do, we cannot run from God. 
Even if we've been walking away from him in our lives. Even if we've been rejecting him. God is here. And he's reaching out to us. In love and grace. He is speaking to us through the storms of our lives. Through the the people in this world. And through the, the circumstances that we go through. He is working for our good even in the difficult times and the challenges that we face. And if we turn to him. And if we bow before him and accept him as the Lord of our lives. Then he will get up. And he will rescue us. He will restore us to himself. And he will get us back on track with him. (coughs) Excuse me. And we can depend on his love and grace to keep us safe. To keep us secure. Until that day. When he will ultimately stand up and say to this world that's in turmoil. Quiet. Be still. And on that day. All the storms of our lives will be ended by the power of Jesus. And we'll be welcomed into our Father's house. Folks, we cannot run from God. So let's turn to him this morning. And let's accept him as our Saviour and as our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I really thank you. I really thank you, Father, that you do not give up on us. That you don't walk away from us. That you have committed yourself to us. And that you love us. And you have welcomed us into your family through our faith in Jesus. So even when we, even when we wander from you, even when we make a mess of things, even when we disobey, you will not give up on us. You will not uh, wash your hands of us. You will not let go. Or thank you that, that even in the times when we are disobeying, or even in the times that we're going through these difficult times, Lord, or even in the storms of our lives, you're still speaking into our lives. You're still calling out to us. You're still reaching out, drawing us to yourself. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Each and every one of us, whether it's this been a time of, of, of us running to you or running away from you, that each one of us will hear what you have for us today. That you will hear your your voice. That we will respond to what you're saying to us. That we will bow before you and accept you as Lord and Saviour and the leader and the guide of our lives. And that we will serve you as you have called us to, Lord. That we will take our, our, our role up that you've called us to in your kingdom, that we will pray for this world, that we will reach out to this world, that we will be your people as you've called us to, that we will honour you and glorify your name through everything that we do. But Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. 
Thank you that he took the storm for us so that he could calm the storm in our lives. So that he could bring us safely home. So that he could bring us to yourself. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.